Last week, we started talking about the power and the significance of your words, of your speech. The Bible talks about, let the redeemed say so. You know, there, there's, we're, as we're going to see tonight, the, we call it the doctrine of confession, and it's, it's a spiritual law, a spiritual law. So if you think about a law, it's something that works the same for everyone. If the conditions are met, it works the same. You know what I mean by that? I use the law of gravity as an example. If you jump off the building 10 times, you will hit the ground 10 times because gravity is a law, right? So understand what we are talking about is a law. Now, you've heard me say this over the years many times. But if we could get that to really sink in and gain revelation knowledge of it, you will learn that you can, you can change your whole life by changing the way you think, by changing the way you speak, right? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 15, maybe 14 and 15. We'll see here. Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah, let's start in verse 14. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We don't want to be spiritually, we don't want to be a spiritual child where you're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. God doesn't want you tossed to and fro. Acts 17, 28 says, it is in him that we live and that we move and that we have our being. We're not to be tossed to and fro by anything on the outside. And then in verse 15 it says, but... Speaking the truth, what is truth? His word, right? So you could say this, speaking the word of God in love. But speaking the truth in love or speaking the word of God in love, look at what it says, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. God wants you and I to grow up in him in all things. What is, how can you tell spiritual maturity? How can you tell spiritual strength? A person who is spiritually mature, a person who is spiritually strong, will speak the word of God in the love of God. That's how you can tell. If a person is not speaking the word, they're, they're showing that they are a spiritual child and they're going to be tossed to and fro. You're either going to be moved by your circumstances or you are going to be fixed and immovable and move your circumstances. 
but you're going to have to speak. So this is why you have to realize there is power, there is significance when I speak what God says. We have to get this right. This is, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, people talk about being led by the Spirit. He's always going to lead you, always, to speak the Word of God in the love of God and to walk in the love of God. He's always going to move you that way, right? If you would dare to put yourself and your own person first, or take, take, you, take yourself off the throne of your life and put others first, That's, that might sound, okay, well, yeah, I could do that. But, I mean, when you're in great need, when you are really, you know, you're in a tight situation, you will find the leading of the Lord when you simply go to him and say, you know what? Your word says this, so I'm good. So I'm not going to even consider myself anymore. I'm going to consider others. Right? I'm going to consider others. You will, all of a sudden, you will have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You'll have a clarity that you've never had before because your whole life, you will be more concerned about your brothers and sisters laying hold of the plan of God for their life. And all of a sudden, one day, you're going to go, oh my goodness, I'm completely walking in the plan of God. While you're sowing into everybody else, God's harvesting into you. While you're totally laser-focused on helping somebody lay hold of their healing, your body gets well. Right? If you're so focused on that, guess what it'll help you do? It'll help you speak the Word of God in every situation. Because the worst thing that could happen for us is that we start to consider ourselves. We're not made to consider ourselves. Do you know the love of God does not, it says it right in 1 Corinthians 13, it does not consider itself. God, in his life, do you know everything he does, he did for you and I? Right? The Bible didn't say Jesus went to the cross considering, man, this stinks. But, you know, there's a joy because people are going to be able to know me. No, no. It says that for the joy that was set before him. It doesn't even talk about himself, right? He even said this. He said, man, my meat, my nourishment, my strength, my substance is to do the will of my Father who sent me, right? So this is a big thing. If you'll put God at the center of your life and honor him in every arena of your life, you will be amazed, at how your life changes. I'm telling you, I can't, I could scream this and it still wouldn't be enough. This is not the time in human history to knowingly be saying no to God. To knowingly going, I can't have what he said he's given me. I'm not gonna do what he told me to do right in his word. It's not that time, guys. We've got to get this one. Confession 
is a spiritual law. Do you know spiritual laws govern physical laws? That's why your words change things, right? A law will always work the same way for anyone who will work it. Doesn't matter your education level, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made, it doesn't matter, it, it, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, doesn't matter what nationality you are, it doesn't matter where you grew up, the word works, right? I love the scripture where God talks about race in the Bible. So if you look at the Bible, there were Jews and then there were Greeks. Who was a Greek? The Jewish people counted everyone who wasn't a Jew a Greek or a Gentile, if you want to say it that way. And, and the word of God says there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek. But, and here's God's attitude towards, towards race, towards people, but God is rich. He has a, this means, this Greek word means, he has an inexhaustible supply of mercy to all that will call upon him. This is for you. See, when understanding comes of a law, you will be surprised if it doesn't work. Okay? You see this all throughout the Bible. So the law of confession, the spiritual law of confession, has to do predominantly with two things. Number one, now remember, you love your pastor. Okay? Just wanted to throw that in. That's just like a little footnote. You take notes, it's like, you write down something I said, and then you go, I love my pastor. Then you could write down and say, I love my pastor, right? The law of confession has to do with two predominant things. Number one, you and I are in charge of our own heart and our own mouth. We cannot put the blame on anyone else. You've got to understand that that's part of that law. Now, Think about how awesome that is. That means no one can keep you from working this law. Amen. Right? Number two is the Greek word homo logeo. It means we must say what God says. That's the spiritual law. If you say what he says, you will have what you say. If you believe what he says, right, you won't have what you believe. You must speak it. It's not enough to just believe. Amen. Right? Do you know how many people think that they're Christians who believe that Jesus is God and if they don't ever act on that belief and commit their life to him, they will one day stand before the Lord and they're going to go, but wait a minute, I was in church, I did this, I did that, and Jesus is going to go, depart from me, I never, ever knew you. Right? Why is that? Well, because we live in an entertainment society. We think if we hear something, we've done something. Right? But no, 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 it's not what you hear, it's what you do. Why is that? 
you're saved by grace how? Through faith. Well, faith without corresponding action, the Bible says it's dead. It's inactive. You must release your faith. You must follow it up with action. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about speaking the word. So now if you go back to Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14 and verse 28. Here's the children of Israel, and they're, they're basically saying, God, we can't have what God says he's given us. So God says this, and, and we're going, we've been through this before, but I want to go and set our eyes on this again. Numbers 14, 28, God says, Moses, say unto them, as truly as I live. Now, if you ever see this phrase in the Old Testament, as truly as I live, that is called an oracle of God. What is an oracle of God? It's an unchanging, never-ending law of God. So in other words, this will always be in place as long as God is alive. And guess how long he's going to be alive? Forever, right? He says this, says the Lord, as you, children of Israel, in this example, have spoken in my ears, so, it says in the King James, so will I do to you. That verb tense is in the permissive. It should read like this, so will I permit to you, or so will I allow to you. In other words, God's saying, I will allow what you say. God doesn't want your back to kill you, but if you keep saying my back is killing me, he has to allow it. I'm so stupid. I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just so stupid. I always make mistakes. I always, th things never work out for me. That's not his will. That's not his plan. However, the way he set it up, if you, whatever you say in his ears, that's what he must allow in your life. That's, that could be, see, that, that could be a little frustrating. Sometimes messages like this could be a little frustrating because you're going, I know this is truth, and all I got to do is actually look at my life right now, and I could tell maybe some of the things that are going on in my life is a result of some things I've said. Now, you also could look at some things you're saying and go, well, yeah, maybe that's not true because, you know, I've been speaking kind of death over in this area, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, well, just hide and watch. See, this is the problem. Could you imagine if your words had the same weight as God? His words have a lot of weight because he never speaks an idle word. How long has he been speaking like that? Forever. So when he says light be, however many, could be billions of years ago, light's still going. Right, You've heard me say this before. If, if, if God showed up right now and said, thus saith the Lord, it's Saturday. Right? Guess what, guess what day it would be? It would be Saturday. Praise God, I'd get to preach tomorrow morning. <laughs> Although if he showed up and did that, we'd probably ask him, hey, why don't you just kind of hang here and 
you know, for a millennium and we'll just sit underneath your teaching for a while, right? So here's an example. So Mark chapter 11, we kind of went through this a little bit. I want to kind of go through a little bit again. Mark chapter 11, verse 21. We started in verse 22 last week. But Mark chapter 11, verse 21, Peter, this is talking about 24 hours after Jesus cursed the fig tree, they're walking by it, and Peter, calling to remember and saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Peter was astonished. Jesus expected it. Jesus would have walked right by that tree. He wouldn't have even looked at it. Right? When you understand this, you, you would be shocked if anything didn't work. Now Christians who sit under teaching like this will start declaring things, and, and at first they're kind of going, man, I just really hope this works. Or they might not even say that, but sometimes they speak something and it works, and they're like, oh, Wow, that was incredible, you know? No, no, be thankful. But see, God wants you to where you are used to and you're disciplined where you're speaking, not idle words. You don't walk around speaking what I feel all the time. Well, I just feel this and I just feel that. That's a roll, have you ever been on that roller coaster? Man, that thing, that, that roller coaster will take you places you do not want to go. That roller coaster does not care that you're about to come forth. It will keep spinning you, right? But you want to get to the point where you put a watch over your words and you stop speaking a lot of junk because you realize, wait a minute, this is a word planet. I've been made in the image and likeness of God. I'm a speaking spirit. When I speak the word of God, I'm speaking to put a spiritual law in motion and God will perform it. Does that make him my servant? No, 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 no. No, God spoke it. He wants you to speak his, actually he commands you to speak his word. Right? You and I must get to a place where when we speak, we expect it to come to pass. But to do that, we got to revalue our words. Right? I mean, how easy is it to just speak out of your flesh? All you got to do is nothing. Right? And this is why walking in love, this is why the Holy Spirit, the first thing he did when he put that new spirit in you and took up residency, he shed, he literally saturated you with the love of God. Why? So that you had the potential now of knowing how much God loves you and you could understand how to walk in love. Because faith works by love. When we become other people's judge, we are completely sat in the judgment seat. You got to know anytime you start to think about and speak about what you think somebody else is doing, you are literally sat in a judgment seat. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. And I don't know about you. I don't, I don't want that. Right? We must add weight to our words. In other words, what we do is we've got to sift our speech through the word of God. 
right? But we could only do that by the word that's been revealed to us. That's why we have to walk in revelation knowledge of his word. So we have to put his word first. And it's really hard to put his word first when we are first, right? So man, we got to get to the point where we're not only not saying no, but we live our life drooling after the word of God. Just, I just want more because it's life, because it's him. I want to know him. So Peter calling to remember and saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which you, which you cursed is withered away. Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. And now in verse 23 and verse 24, he is going to tell us how to have faith in God. Okay? So if you ever want to know how to have faith in God, just go to Mark eleven twenty three and 24, because this is how you do it. Okay? So now, verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whoever says to this mountain, so now he's talking about things that come against your life to stop you. This is not something from God. These are circumstances. Could be sickness, could be financial, could be emotional turmoil, depression, anxiety, fear, any mountain that comes in your way. If God says go do this and something's trying to stop you in your way, this is how you deal with, with it. Whoever shall say unto that mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. In other words, get out of here. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Or whatever he saith, if you want to be all King Jimmy. Right? In other words... How to have faith in God? He talks about the saying part three times, the believing part one time. God told Brother Hagen, so you're going to have to do three times the teaching on the saying part. Right? This is huge. This, this is so important in your life. This is talking about, so many Christians are praying about things they should be speaking now notice, it says, whatever you say, if you don't doubt in your heart, but if you believe the thing that you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. That sounds a lot like Numbers 14, 28. Whatever you speak in my ears, that's what I'm going to allow in your life. Right? So in other words, this spiritual law is you will have what you say. I am so glad for Isaiah 54, where it says not only no weapon formed against you will prosper, but I really get excited about this one. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, guess, guess your number one tongue that has the potential to judge you. It's you, right? So thank God when you speak death over yourself, you could stop right in the middle of it and go, whoa, time out. Father, I do not believe what I just said. And I know the power of words. I know there's power in words. But you said I could curse them so that they die and not produce anything. I curse those words I just spoke over myself. They will not come to pass. 
I mean, you got to start doing that, right? If you have trouble lying, here's the real simple thing you do. The next time you're talking to somebody and you tell a lie, just stop and go, hold on, time out. You know, I, I apologize, but I just lied. Do you know you won't have to do that very much? Because that'll be massively embarrassing, right? But lying is so massive that it is worth any embarrassment. Why? Because, you know, Satan, I preached for years, Satan doesn't create anything, anything at all. He just twists everything. Do you know there is one thing that the Bible says he's created? He is the father of lies. Right? So God deals with us on the basis of his word and our word. Our confession. That's how God, that's how your father deals with you. And oh, your father wants you to walk in everything. He does not want you to ever suffer. Now, now and what, the way I say that, Suffer as a result of what Jesus did for you. You're, you're going to suffer, right? There is persecution for the Christian. But you know the number one suffering is? You just, the number one suffering of a Christian is you're just not going to get your way with what your flesh wants. That's, a, that's the big part of suffering. My flesh wants to do this so bad, and I can't do it. That's the, that's, that's the big part of the suffering, right? You might even be suffering right now. I wish he would teach on something else, right? I don't know. So what we say, we have to do this. We must stand up. We must use our authority in the name of Jesus that we've been given, and we must speak to the mountain. That's what we do. We don't go to God and talk to him about the mountain, we speak to the mountain, and then we thank our Father for moving the mountain. Right? This is about us speaking against the problem. This, this whole passage in Mark chapter 11 about how to have faith in God, it's literally talking about understanding the significance of our words. It's about believing the words that we speak. It's talking about the effectiveness of what we say. We must, we must, we must believe what we say, right? It's why you always want to follow through with things. Like we said last, last week, you can't throw your words around and just speak any kind of junk you want to speak and be a person of faith, right? You can't walk around saying things that you really don't believe, well, I really, you know, I'm just, I'm just talking. It, no, no, it's, it's a spiritual law. Those demons don't care if you, well, I didn't really mean it. They don't care. It opens a door, right? So we want to make sure those doors stay closed. You can't talk junk all day and then just all of a sudden flip in a moment of time and confess the word of God and actually believe it. You'll mental assent to it. And then when it's not working, you'll sit here and go, why is it not working? No, no, the word works if you work it, right? 
If we want our words to be powerful and life-changing, then we've got to take our words more seriously. Right? Do you know when I joke around when I'm preaching, do you know I feel the same unction that I do when I'm speaking? The Holy Spirit has a sense of humor. But we're not speaking idle words at all. I think sometimes he has me say something funny so you'll laugh to keep you awake maybe. Because, you know, I preach a little longer than some people, right? I mean, it's kind of like, it's like there's guys that could bench 600 pounds. Well, that's no problem. I could bench 600 pounds. It just takes me a few more reps, right? I mean, these other preachers, they, they preach hours. It just takes them a few more services, right? I just compact that a little bit. We must be more selective about what we say so that when we pray, it's more effective. Right? We want to pray effectively. Right? Because here's the thing. If you've just been speaking all kinds of junk, you've got to slow down. You've got to slow all that down and go, okay, I need to, I need to just slow down my talking. You know, with Jeanette and I, I mean, with my wife, I have to be careful because if we're talking, I could beat her up with my words and not even realize it because I kind of talk and figure it out and flow as I'm talking. And sometimes, like I've said to her, I'm like, well, why aren't you saying anything? But in her personality, she, she does this incredible thing. She actually thinks about something and she has to process it, and then she speaks. Now, you know, if God were to manifest himself right here, he would probably go, you know, Tony, I'd kind of have to side more with her, right? So I have to, I mean, literally, I have to, I've read, well, I don't even want to know a comparison, a lot more books on marriage than she's ever even thought about reading. But I need to, right? I need to spend all my time in the Word because I flow and I talk. It's kind of, it's the way my personality is, you know? But if you're full of the Word, you can, you can do that and be okay, but you still, I mean, always, I'm always thinking. Now, I could tell you, I probably catch myself, I mean, every once in a while, my wife will catch herself and go, oh, I shouldn't have said that, Right? And, and now for someone like me, man, I could, I could, it's kind of like the difference. If you play sports, if somebody were to ask me as a basketball player, so tell me about basketball. Basketball, you got to manage failure. My son played soccer, so he was a defender. So he had one job to do. This kid could shut down offenses. He was amazing. But in basketball, you play offense, you play defense. So in, in fifth, well, in 10 seconds, you could take a bad shot, you could miss a rebound, you could miss an offensive assignment, you could miss a, you could make five errors in 10 seconds in basketball. And if you don't know how to manage failure, you're going to be a mess, right? In baseball, what do you do? They throw the ball, something happens, and everybody stops, 
right? In basketball, it just keeps going. Life just keeps going. And the Holy Spirit, whatever, whatever personality that you have from your Father, as you submit to the Word of God, you'll keep that personality from ever being twisted by the enemy, and the Holy Spirit will be a help to you, to help you speak right, to help you slow down, to help you when you say something that's, I'm telling you, when you yield to him, you get so sensitive that it's almost like while you're in the beginning part of saying something, you're going, whoa, that's wrong, right? Amen. This is why we give each other in relationships unlimited grace. Yeah. Have you ever come to church and somebody that you like comes up and just says something, just kind of, that's horrible that you just said that to me, right? Over the years, I wish I could have bloopers <laughs> because sometimes people say stuff and they don't even realize it and it devastates the other person and they don't even know, right? right? Do you know as we sit here today, all of us kind of come from different perceptions. It's almost like we speak different languages. And if we have a bad day and there's some inner turmoil going on, we could say some things wrong. But if we give each other unlimited grace, and, and I got to tell you guys, in our church, it's really, we're really very, very fortunate. Because we've got a lot of people that are just going, you know, I just want to love on people. And... We have a pretty good environment here because we're growing up in this. God will help you. Why am I saying all that? See, you don't want to get to a place where you never expect your words or your prayers to come to pass. You're, you hope they do, but you're not even, you know, you're praying about stuff and you don't even remember. If, if, if you had a time in prayer in the morning, you don't even remember what you prayed about. Why? Well, because I've been praying about that for the last five years and it's never happened, so I don't even expect it to happen. You need to slow down and realize this is a law. If God said it and you'll believe it and speak it, he will perform it 100% of the time. So we, gotta, we have to know that. Listen, in the realm of finances, that's going to be your number one area. A lot of Christians are going to miss the whole plan of God for their life because they never, ever learn how to honor God in their finances. They can't get past that little T-I-T-H-E word. Five letters, tithe. Right? What do you mean 10% of my income? Are you kidding me? When a person thinks that, I remember when the Lord took me through that. He's like, Tony... Do you think I'm trying to hurt you? Do you think I'm unfair? Is there any lack in me? Do you know this is how my whole kingdom works? Do you know that when Abraham gave his first and his best, it opened up for me to give my first and my best, Jesus? Do you know the first murder on this planet happened because of somebody's heart was wrong in the area 
of honoring God in their finances or in their substance. Right? It's, it's really kind of amazing. Unforgiveness is another one. You got to let it all go. Because in Mark, in this Mark chapter 11, the number one hindrance to faith was when you stand praying, forgive. And how do we forgive? We forgive as Christ forgave us unconditionally. See, there's just some things that if you'll just position yourself, life is good. Right? So let's keep going with this. Many times, if, you're, if you've been praying about some things, I want to encourage you, go take some time and list, make a list of what you need God to move in, things that need to change in your life. And, and make a list, slow down, and then go look up two to three scriptures that tell you that God says, I've given you what you need in that area. And if you don't know, go to, come, come to Pastor Dave, go to Pastor Edwin, go, you know, go to, I, I could list, I could go down, I mean, go to most of the people here tonight. They will find out, if they don't know specifically, they will find out. Angela just raised her hand. Go to Angela. No, I'm just teasing. No, actually, you, you probably won't have to go to Angela. This lady gets it. She'll probably be in your face going, hey, do you need something? Right? Because she lives her life that way. But get those scriptures and then, then start, don't pray yet, start meditating in those scriptures. And, and maybe you might have 10 things on your list or 20 things on your list. You might have to just go, okay, what is the one area? And all of a sudden, as you're writing scriptures down, there's, there's a couple scriptures that just hit you about that item number four then you just grab onto item number four and you just start meditating in those scriptures and you start speaking them over and over and over until they open up in your heart and now revelation comes and all of a sudden you start seeing this on the inside changing in your life on the outside. Now you're ready to pray or now you're ready to speak. Don't be all stressed yeah, but you, pastor, you don't understand. This has got to happen right now. Yeah, you've been saying that for 10 years. You're, you're going to be okay. God's bigger. He's got your back. Yeah, but I've been disobedient for the last 30 years of my Christianity. That's okay. His mercy is greater than that disobedience. You just, you just go to the Lord and say, okay, I have really created quite a mess here. Which... Because I'm yours, it's kind of your mess. So, but you know, and, and God will, he, you'll see your, your father will be smiling, going, oh, my, my child's starting to get it. He's got big shoulders. He could fix every mess. Have you ever found yourself? Have you ever just been crying out? I've been sitting on a rock in Southern California out at Laguna Beach. When, when, when our daughter and the grandkids and, and Sarah and Jeanette and I were there, she climbed out on that rock. Remember that? You climbed that On that rock, I just remember crying out to the Lord. Lord, I'm just such a mess. I'm just such a mess. And he said, Tony, my mercy is so much greater than your disobedience. He goes, I am the master. 
at making all things new. I could clean up any mess. Just invite me in. Right? I mean, because it's amazing how God loves you. So what we're talking about, remember this, God requires this of you as a child of God, which means when he says, hold fast to the profession of your faith without wavering, he is those words literally enable you to hold fast and to say what he says. It's really powerful. When you do that, take your time. It'll add value to your words. And when, you, when, when all of a sudden your words have value, man, God wants you to feel that exhilaration in your spirit. When you are at the, at the beginning of a battle and you are sitting in your, in your house, in your office, in your car, and you're like, okay, Father, I just believe I receive my healing. And all of a sudden out of your spirit is this exhilaration where you know that you know that you know that I've just believed that I've grabbed hold of it and I, I shall have it. And you're no longer worried about it. All that's left to do is just thank him for it. And you don't even have your eyes on yourself anymore. It's worth it. Hallelujah. See, you develop faith in God's words and what that does is it causes you to have faith in the words that you speak. Because you know he'll bring them to pass. So verse 24, he says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. So when you pray about something, your future speech must be in agreement with what you just prayed. Because if it's not, you didn't believe you received when you prayed. And if it's not, then just slow down, get some scriptures, start meditating. I'm thoroughly convinced. See, we're word of faith people. And you'd come to church and you hear nugget after nugget after nugget. And pretty soon you start coming to church to hear nuggets. But a nugget won't do you any good until you get revelation of the nugget. And we're not talking about chicken nuggets. Those are not real. We're talking about the word of God. Right? People get so excited. I mean, there'll be a message where I'll be teaching on a truth and then I'll say some little side comment and people will be like, oh, pastor, I had never heard that before. And I'm thinking to myself, that's cool. But that's like 1%. But the, the big nugget was the other thing, right. right? We don't care that Abraham wore a special type of, no. No, no, what, what, what really matters is the story, right? Okay, let's go on. So let's keep going with this. Why am I saying this? Because people will undo their prayers with their mouth. You're saying must be consistent with your praying. And that in Mark 11:24, what things soever you desire, do you know that word desire is translated many many other times in the New Testament ask. It's the Greek word aito. See Bible ask is not hey Brandon, 
do you want to go to breakfast tomorrow? He might say yes, he might say no. No, no, this, this is not asking, right? Or, Pastor Edwin, can you, can you give me $100? Maybe it's yes, maybe it's no, right? No, no, this word ask, aito, means to call for, to require, to make a demand for. See, you can't ask God if he will give you something. You know why? You can't ask God to heal you. God, will you please heal my body? He already did that. So he says, call for it. Make a demand. Father, I thank you that you sent your word and healed me. There's some sickness in my body that's here illegally, so now I'm calling for my healing. Jesus already paid for it. I'm calling for it. What things soever you desire, whatever you call for, require. Father, I require my healing. Father, I'm coming to you today. I'm making a demand for my healing. Well, you can't just command God to do something. No, I'm not. He already did it. I'm just calling for it. Have you ever noticed in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, hey, Father, can you pass me the biscuits? That's, what, that's literally what it's... What it's it, it's on my table. Hey, Dad, can you, can you give me my biscuits? Right? right? Whatever you desire, whatever you call for, whatever you require, whatever you make a demand for, when you pray, believe you receive it and you'll have it. That's what your Father is saying. So that's why in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, because he is faithful that promised and the whole world system is trying to program you to speak based on what you're perceiving out of your senses. And God's like, don't walk by sight. You believe me. You keep your eyes on me. Because I am truth. Right? And truth will always change facts. What are we saying? From the word of God... You frame your world with the words that you speak. Have you ever seen a house being built? They frame it, right? Do you realize you're framing your life with your words? So you want to make sure, you want to make sure that these words that are coming out of your mouth are coming from a heart that is full of the word. So you're speaking out of your mouth what you believe in God's word. You'll never see anything in your life that hasn't come out of your mouth. Isn't that good news? That means I just need to change my speech. See, everything in your life comes forth from your heart. You're to speak based on your heart. My destiny, my future is in my heart. Right? Your words, listen guys, your words will locate where you are. Right? This is why God's word is so important. I really would encourage you, when you start coming to the word of God, I want to challenge you, when you come to church, bring a notebook. Bring your Bible. And, and, and get, get to where your Bible starts looking like this where you're writing notes, where you're doing, you know, and because I'm telling you, there's something about hearing 
And, and listen, when you're listening to these messages, don't worry about what you're getting. There's so much more that's caught than what's taught. But if you'll go back and listen to it again, it'll change your life. You'll get a thousand times more the second time. And, and you'll have these little notes. Just realize, don't get bummed if you, don't, if you can't finish a statement, and I'm already four statements later, right? Don't worry about that, because when you listen to it, you've already got part of it. But when, you're, when you sit down, you have that church app, and you pull that out, or you get on YouTube, whatever you do, and all of a sudden, I'll be saying stuff, and then, then the Lord will go, oh, what about this scripture? And by the time you get done listening to that message, it's no longer a message that was Pastor Tony's message, right? Because really, Pastor Tony doesn't have any messages. It's all from him. But by the time you get done dissecting that, all of a sudden, you'll start seeing things. The Lord will start talking to you. You could shut me up. You could, I mean, if, if there, there are messages that I have listened to from people, I can't even tell you how many times. I mean, there's probably messages that I've listened to, that I've listened to 50, maybe 60 times, and I get more out of it. It's amazing. But what, see, when you start valuing God's words, it will help you value your words. Right? So important. So important. So, to change my future, I must change my heart. What do I mean heart? Heart slash mind. Right? Cardia, right? I heard somebody say it. This, see, if to change my future, I've got to change my heart, this changes my mouth, which releases a divine law of God that will change the direction of my life. So when I get the word of God, if I'm going this way, uh, let's say I've got this behavior in my life that's eaten my lunch, it's taken all my thoughts, I'm condemning myself every time I mess up in it, but what do I do? I just start feeding on the word of God. Man, Romans chapter six should be something, everybody should know these six things. Father, I thank you that I was crucified with Christ. I was buried with him in baptism. Right? I was raised to a new life. I was identified with his crucifixion and I was identified with his resurrection. Therefore, sin will never dominate me. You start to get that, and, and you get that inside of you. All of a sudden, it will renew your mind, and then now you will speak that out of, out of what you believe in your heart, out of that revelation, and a divine law of God is released that will change your direction, and you'll get free. Or I should say it this way, you'll walk in the freedom that God has already given you. You're already free, but now you'll be able to walk it out. This is the way this thing works. We must humble ourselves to say the same thing that God says and to stop saying what we feel or what we see. We're going to have to humble ourselves. See, biblical confession literally means we agree with God 
by saying what he says. See, in Psalm 119, as we just kind of come down the hill here a little bit, Psalm 119, verse 172, it says this, my tongue shall speak of thy word. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man, it is written, he was, he was quoting Deuteronomy 8, 3, he said, man doesn't live by bread only, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, when you realize in John chapter 6, in verse 63, Jesus said this, it is the spirit that quickens. That word quicken means it's the spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit. That word that he, that Greek word that he used for spirit is the word pneuma. It literally means a Holy Spirit breathed word. When you speak God's word, you are speaking the same word that, that God speaks. It's full of life and power. And they are also life. That word life is zoe. They produce the God quality of life. Words, they're not sound or noise. Words are spirit. Words are alive. Words are going out to do something. God's words are going out to enable us. God's words, they're spiritual containers. They contain his very life, his very power. And they will produce, they will rescue you. They will deliver you. They will heal you. They will provide for you. They'll keep you safe. They'll make you sound. God's word in your heart will make your soulish realm sound and whole, free from depression, anxiety, fear, right? All oppression. The anointing upon the word destroys yokes of bondage. I love that. Hallelujah. Psalm 39.1 says this. It says, this is powerful, it says, I said, I will take heed to my ways, which would be my course of action, that I sin not with my tongue. I will take heed to my ways. Why? That I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. What do you mean the wicked is before me? Listen, these principalities, these powers, these rulers of the darkness of this world, this spiritual wickedness in high places, Satan himself, they are set against you. Demons are set against you. They are watching. God has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. As you walk down your path, the table is right there and your enemies are right there. And, and, and the word is telling us, I'm going to put a bridle on my mouth. I'm going to keep my mouth while the wicked's before me. See, what do these demonic powers do? They throw thoughts. They use people. They create circumstances to try to get you to speak what God didn't say. 
because they have no power. They can't touch you unless you let them. Here's the cool thing. Repentance is a cool thing. Because you could slam that door right in their face. I'll close with this. Matthew 12, verse 37 says, For by your words shall you be justified, pardoned, and set free. And by your words you shall be condemned, sentenced, or put into bondage. So I don't, we don't, I don't think we need to take that test. Do you want to be pardoned or set free or taken into bondage? Right? You decide. The New American Standard Bible says it this way, for by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. The controlling factor in your word, in your life is your words. Hallelujah. Wow. Hmm. Let me, let me just read one more scripture to you. Two more scriptures. Well, actually, just technically one and a half. There we go. Now, you know, I've got to read all three. Okay. So Proverbs 10.11, let's go fast. Proverbs 10.11, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Draw from the well. Proverbs 13, verses 2 and 3. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of transgressors shall eat violence. Verse 3. He that keeps, this means to watch over, to control, and to guard. His mouth keeps his life. But he that opens wide his lips, this word open wide or opens in the Hebrew language, it means to open one's mouth without control. He that opens his mouth wide, his lips shall have destruction. And then here's the last one I'll leave with you tonight. Proverbs 16:23. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. As you renew your mind with the word of God, as you get the word in abundance in your heart, what will happen is it will teach you how to speak. Amen. So give yourself a break and just start the process. Amen.